Yeah, we're not doing that anymore, are we? No, we've cut the intro. So <laughs> I hate that music. Just in case you're wondering where the intro went to. Stop it. <laughs> it's not there anymore. It was only a temporary thing, I think, just to put in place while we got this out. And I don't think either of us like it. <laughs> no, I don't think you like it. Oh, I don't think it was that bad, but it was becoming a bit difficult to sort of merge into us speaking. And it, I never did it the same every week. So I just felt that my consistency was a bit out, which, as you know, would really affect me. Yes. So, yeah, so we've dropped it. Um, so it's still us. Still us. Minus a little dingly dangly music. But plus a bonus episode. Yes. We've done a bonus episode this week, as well as this, which you called in the bonus episode our main show. So this is the main show now. Where I've actually got something to say, unlike in the bonus show. <laughs> but the bonus show, which is a BAFTA TV 2020... I'm trying to get this right, because... The BAFTA TV Awards. The, yeah, but BAFTA has awards as the A. No, it doesn't. Does it not? No, it's BAFTA, British uh, Academy, Academy of, of Film, Film and, and Televisual Arts. Okay. I thought that we were doing, you know, like pin number... Where it's not actually pin number, it's pin. The N is the num is number. Please don't look at me like that. Yes, I know exactly. You know exactly what because you, yeah. you say that all the time. That it's one of your things. So yeah. I was thinking, oh, maybe I was saying awards twice when I didn't need to. But anyway, it's the Baftas. We watched the Baftas. We recorded a podcast about the Baftas, and it's a bonus episode. And I realised in the middle of this that I'd seen nothing that won. <laughs> Apart from Strictly Come Dancing, apparently. Yeah, yeah. You, you had some really insightful commentary to make about the things that you had seen, which wasn't that much. Yeah. But we still managed to do an hour and a minute on things that we hadn't really seen. Which I think is quite good going. We're selling this, aren't we? And a testament It's a good job we don't much. work in sales. But I think it's a testament to just how much we can talk rubbish yes. about nothing, which is useful for a podcast. So how have you been this week? This week, Mark... I have not had a great week. I have had a bit of a grief week. Yes. And we, just, just to say, we had the discussion before we came on air so that we would both be on the same page and Mark wouldn't be completely taken aback when I started talking about grief <laughs> and he didn't know that I was going to do it. But yeah. I've had a bit of a rubbish week and previously on the podcast we've been all lovely and jumpy and happy and I think it's really important to say that sometimes we're not all jumpy and happy and dancing around the living room because sometimes grief comes and hits you slap bang in the face and you're not looking you're not thinking that it's going to do that you think I don't think that it will ever be fixed and I'm not thinking that it will ever be fixed it will ever go away but there's something about time moving on that sometimes makes you think or gives you a false sense of security that things have got a little bit better or that things have dampened down a little. And I was really surprised to find that out of nowhere, with maybe a little bit of a grief trigger, which I'm not going to go into, but effectively out of nowhere, with one little event just pottering about in my mind, I found myself feeling really, really grief-stricken this Mm. week. Yeah. And somebody, I was one of the grief accounts that I follow, you know, for, for, for fun and laughs. 
And the grief accounts I follow had a diagram about the grief coaster, which is like a roller coaster, and you know how a roller coaster goes up and down and round and around. Yeah. And they had said on it that you start in one place and you think you're up high, and then suddenly you're down low in you know the valley of crap. And then you go back up again and you maybe a bit of false sense of security and then you go back down again. And that's how I felt this week because it really did come out of nowhere and I wasn't anticipating it, wasn't expecting it and I had to essentially just ride the roller coaster. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I remember when the event happened. I remember the next day I was going for a walk around uh, the park in Sunderland mm. and me... You were talking to me and I wasn't thinking because I was thinking, why do I feel okay? I shouldn't be feeling this okay right now. And it was just probably the fact that we had, I hadn't had time to process everything because we had to get back to the hospital that evening just to look after Blake, We had a, which was a nice distraction. We had each other that we could bounce off when we were feeling down. And for me, the grief hit Christmas dinner. I, if you remember, we sat there. I think we said something like, oh God, it's been a year, hasn't it? And that was it. I was just... I was in bits mm. and that was probably the first time I stopped because I went I was back at work after four weeks and um you know rightly or wrongly probably yeah who knows but yeah I think this is this is this is part of our makeup now um and there will be times when just as someone who breaks a leg sometimes we'll get an ache in that leg sometimes we will get an ache in our hearts God, that sounds cheesy, but... No, I was just thinking that's a really good analogy, that, mm. you know, sometimes you, the ache is dull, yeah, and sometimes it really, really comes back and you don't know why, yeah. whether it's been, you've been outside and it's been a bit too cold, mm. or whether you've twinged it on something, that's a really good analogy. Well done, hon. That was out of the blue, that. <laughs> yeah. I'm proud of that. Get my article into the Guardian. Um... But without breaking any confidences, I know there are people out there who have also experienced baby loss who are listening to this podcast. And I just wanted to say, because it, it can be a bit of a taboo. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be, but it can be a bit of a taboo, particularly that, that type of loss. And there's almost a feeling... And it's not necessarily that people are saying this to you, but you almost feel in yourself that you should, in inverted commas, get over it, or it should get better. Do you yeah. know what I mean? That things should just move on and and life should should go on, and it absolutely does. But I think it's really important to acknowledge that you can have some really rubbish days, and that's okay. And I think, well, I think people see you two ways. I think people see me as. I think people see me a lot of the time as wondering why I'm not sat under my desk at work in tears. And then, you know, I can talk about it quite frankly. I think there's many different types of grief and I think it helps, for me, it helps that there was nothing that we could have helped. It was just a freak thing and a freak a freak of nature that we were in a high-risk pregnancy due to an absolute genetic anomaly of an egg splitting in two, <laughs> made it high-risk and that's what happened and it was nothing that we can do but not everyone's in that in that situation and so for me to sort of shrug it off and say i have good days and bad days i can understand but there's i think i think in many ways we we do have each other's help and i i hope that people out there who are suffering similar things do have this someone out there who they can talk to like we do if you are listening to this and you don't there are people out there there are um, organisations like the Samaritans that are always there. I know it sounds a bit poor-faced, and but they are there, and they are numbers that have been thrust in my face throughout this experience. So 
please use them. And I think the important thing that I've found out is however you're feeling, it is okay to feel that way. We have had times where we've been in tears crying. We have had times where we've been in tears laughing over stupid things that should have set us off. But because it hit us on the right time at the right day, we just were able to turn to each other and go, it's okay to not feel okay. But it's it's okay just to be okay on a certain day. You, You don't feel obliged to be bad and don't feel bad at yourself for having a positive day. Yeah, definitely. Should we talk about the Emmys? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what a movement. Did you see the seamless transition there? <laughs> um, yeah, let's talk about the Emmys. Because we talked about the BAFTAs on yes. our bonus episode. And on the bonus episode, I talk a lot about how I like award shows and you talk a lot about how you don't. Yeah. So you would think that I'd be really into the Emmys, but to be honest with you, it's kind of passed me by. Okay. But I know you want to say something about it. So here's your forum, love. I think that the so the latest Emmy nominations were released uh, in the past week. I think it was earlier in the week. And they are one of the most disgraceful displays of nominations I have ever seen. Obviously, it's people's opinions. Um, now, I had a quick look at yeah. the official website. I have to say, I only got to like page six because there are so many categories. Yes. In the, I mean... Do you get, like, an Emmy for opening a door for a star to walk through? Because that's how it felt. It was just... And under each category, there's, like, ten nominees. And these are only the primetime Emmys. There are also the daytime Emmys as well for daytime TV. No, I'm I'm genuinely not. So I'm interested in what you're going to say, because I was seeing people who I'd even forgotten were in shows, and I couldn't believe that they were being nominated for Emmys. So surely everyone's been nominated for an Emmy. You'd think so, wouldn't you? However, um, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone who's listened to the episode where we reviewed Better Call Saul that I'm a big fan of it. How Rhea Seahorn hasn't been nominated for Best Actress uh, in a Drama. I mean, there's so many different things here. I think it'd probably be Best best Actress in a Drama. So, where are we? So, Jennifer Aniston for The Morning Show. That nobody watched. Yeah. Well, that doesn't mean it's not a bad performance, but yeah. All um, right, fair enough. Olivia Coleman for The Crown. Mm. Uh, Jodie Coma in Killing Eve. And it was a poor season. Mm. Sandra Oh for Killing Eve. Uh, Laura Linney for Ozark. And Zendaya for Euphoria. Okay. She should have been in there. Okay. Um, I don't know who I'd leave out because a couple of these things I haven't seen, but she is absolutely smashing it. A lot of people are also mentioning Bob Odenkirk for Better Call Saul. I think I'm quite used to his shtick after seeing him in now five seasons of this and four seasons of Breaking Bad. So I'm not, I'm not devastated that he didn't get nominated. Is he the Saul? He's in Saul. Better Call Saul. So I just yes. want to check. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, he is and he isn't. Oh, yeah. oh okay. Well, Saul is a pseudonym. Yeah. Right. So he's Jimmy McGill. Okay. Uh, so, but he's the lead. He very much carries the show, but he is very, he, he's very, very good. But I think he is playing Bob Odenkirk in that. But outstanding actor, how Tony Dalton didn't get nominated for playing uh, Lalo Salamanca. You're looking shot. He is the, he was the big bad of this season and he absolutely smashed it. I remember you talking about the big bad in the episode where we covered Better Call Saul, but I couldn't mm. remember his name. And then Giancarlo Esposito managed to get a nomination. Well, I saw that. So that's why I was thinking, why why, why are you having a problem? He had quite a 
not a poor season, mm-hmm. but quite a withdrawn season. He wasn't a major part of this. He was always there in the background. But for me, it is um, Tony Dalton doing the doing the big performance, doing the awards nomination performance. And yeah, um, I'm really disappointed because I think they really deserve it. It might be that next season is their last season. Um, so it might just be that they are saving up all their nominations for next year. And then they do what they normally do where, you know, they are, people are given awards for whole whole shows rather than just like um, return of the king in the oscars absolutely yeah absolutely um but yeah just really disappointed it did get nominated for best drama i mean it probably should win out of everything that's on that well it's out uh, the crown handmaid's tale which i like but um yeah killing eve has gone off the boil Mm -hmm. the mandalorian Uh, i really enjoyed is it best drama Oh, actually, yeah, um, mm. more like best mini series or something like that. Yeah, well, it's not a mini; it's coming back, isn't it? So. Oh, does a mini series have to just yes. be what? I thought a mini series was just a small series. No, no. So, for example, um, limited series is unbelievable and Watchmen and things like that. Oh, okay. It's right, got limited I'm, series. Right, but well, I think yeah. we should because they call it mini series in BAFTA, and I've completely got the end, wrong end of the stick then because I'm thinking it's just a really small series. <laughs> It's like uh, three episodes. Yeah. Um, Ozark, uh, Stranger Things was nominated, and Succession, which probably will end up winning. Yeah, it probably will. We've still not seen season two of that, I have know, we? I know, we need to work through it. I know. We've I'll, got a lot to watch And I really enjoy minute. it as well. It's yeah, not, I don't yeah. know why we've... Um... Yeah, it just we just suddenly stopped watching it and we need to get back in. Yes. But yeah, that was all I needed to rant about. Great. Uh, um, better now. Yeah, I feel it's quite cathartic that. Yeah, yeah I feel the same way. Talk about, about grief and grief. call out some American <laughs> awards ceremony. Exactly the same way. How therapeutic is this podcast? <laughs> watching television, watching television. What are we talking about this week? I can't remember what our shows are. How professional is this? We literally covered this four seconds before I we know, started recording. I know. Do you want me to go first? Should we cover the thing we've watched together this week? Okay. And I say that in the loosest possible sense. Yes, you, you drive. Go <laughs> <Yeah>. on. <laughs> uh, so Fort Salem is yes. um, a TV show that's dropped on... I think that's what the kids say, dropped yeah. on the iPlayer this week. Wow, um, it's dropped in. I think it's it might be getting a run on BBC Two as well at the same time, but all the episodes are there. It is an American TV show. In America, it's called Motherland Fort Salem. Is it? Yeah, but... Why? Well... I mean, why is it? I mean, it's called Motherland, Fort Salem, but in this okay. country they've dropped Motherland because there is obviously a, already a show called okay. Motherland. Okay. Um, it's on the Freeform Channel in the US, which What's is that? so it used to be the Family Channel, and then it became ABC Family. And this now, is not a family show. Well, that's what I thought. So Freeform they obviously rebranded themselves, but yeah. Okay. So this, I think, this is very much in your wheelhouse. You said that yeah. when you watched it, and I don't know whether I was really grumpy because I did not wish to partake in the Fort Salem, but ended up half watching it anyway. Yes. Um, so it's an alternate universe programme. This is where, in the Salem Witch Trials, uh, 300 years ago, witches were accepted into society. Oh. Witches were accepted into society. <laughs> don't edit that out. I just okay. put, <laughs> leave, it in. In, leave the fact I've butchered it yeah, in. Yeah, and what's happened throughout this, throughout the last 300 years, is because witches are female and powerful, females have become the dominant sex in society. And this 
particular show centers around some recruits into the US Army, which is now at least partially made up of witches. So you can send witches in to a war zone and they will do their magic and the US will win. Hooray. I didn't know anyone in this. I don't think there's anyone who's been in anything before. Um, it is absolutely beautifully shot. I loved this. I loved the way this looked. The rays coming through the window, the background, the forest. It is. I mean, I looked up who the director was, and it's um, a guy called Stephen Salderson, who was a camera operator on uh, Insomnia and Batman Begins, so some early Nolan films. Yeah. Then he went into some quite highbrow work because he was on John Tucker Must Die and uh, Good <laughs> Great Luck film. Chuck. But he's made that film. he's made a career of um, doing TV director, so he's done a lot of. Oddly done a lot of uh, TV shows based off films, so Limitless, The Exorcist, uh, yeah, loads of things like that that sort of come around for a couple of seasons and then disappear. Um, but yeah, he's doing a smash hit, he's done a cracking job. I really enjoyed this. I thought it was quite feminist. Right up until one point, and you know what I'm going to say, um, just halfway through the show, out of nowhere, comes a, a love, essentially a love scene between two of the witches. It's everyone's covered up we'll say like that so it's not too gratuitous but it didn't seem in keeping with the rest of this show yeah it's it's not driven by character if they had set up that the two witches in question fancied each other Mm. and there was this do you know what i mean like there was a a movement towards this relationship yeah but I know exactly what you mean. It just seemed clunky yeah. and salacious. Yeah. And it felt like it had been put in there not to drive the plot forward, not to say anything about character, but to put two witches in a sex scene together in a show. That's how I felt about it. Now, funnily enough, when you carry on, it does. It looks like this is going to pay off later in the show. I hope There so. is a connection between these two people, but it came out of nowhere, and I wonder if it was, oh, we'll catch him in 20 minutes with essentially girls kissing. And, yeah. I'm going to carry on with this. I take it you are not, although I think you came in with your mind made up on this. Yeah, I did. And despite sort of the... the, the it's not just that sex scene. It's, it's quite clunky in other areas as well. I think some of the acting just doesn't quite cut it compared to some of the others it's it's a little bit harry potter in the acting you know some people are way above others it's all young women and um, apart from some of like the older witches but it's mainly young women perhaps in their first few i think so yeah role. yeah I, I hope it it carries on the premise is amazing i like the idea of witches being in the army and the fight it in. There's a lot of patriotism and there's political machinations to go into, but I, I just, I wasn't quite there. And I don't know why. I don't know why. I just didn't quite, I just thought it was a bit of fluff. And there were bits of it where it was a bit of fluff. And then there were others where I thought, actually, this could be really good. So maybe the next time you're watching it, I'll sneak a little watch in the background again play on my laptop and pretend that I'm not watching it and see how I feel It was quite it. funny to see you sort of peek over your laptop screen and go, oh, what's going on here? There was, there was yeah, because like you say, the aesthetic really draws you in because it looks so um, expensive. Yeah. And not what I expected for Fort Salem. Yes. You know, Fort Salem, I thought it was BBC Three 
I'm not having a go at BBC Three, but honestly, I thought it was a BBC Three Hollyoaks esque. I'm not having a go at Hollyoaks either, but Hollyoaks. I, I am, yeah. Okay, I, that's where I sort of was. But I was putting it in soap opera land. But this is definitely not. I'm, I'm wrong. Is what hmm. I'm saying. I'm wrong. But yeah, I need. You, I think you need to give it a few more episodes to really see whether it's going to continue along a little bit of the clunky line, which really makes me go, mm, I can't really be bothered with that, or whether it, it gets better and whether you do follow the characters and feel that the choices that they are making and the things that they are doing and the experiences they are having are actually true to that character. Yeah. Well, we'll carry on with that. And if we carry on with it, we might just end up uh, doing an end of season thing like we did with uh, There She Goes. And yeah, I hope that. I can really look back on it. I'm like, I really do, genuinely. I hope I can look back on it and go, oh, actually, I was really wrong about it. And it was, maybe it was like the pilot episode and they didn't quite know where they were going. It's first time for everything, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's true. It's true. <laughs> so you've been watching something um, not of this language. French. <laughs> yes. I've been watching a French drama on BBC Four. How, how highbrow am I? Wow. Yeah. And it's old school as well because BBC Four are only putting out two episodes at a time. Oh, I love that. So I can't watch the next ones. Although, yes, I can. I can watch two more now because they're now up on the iPlayer. Yeah. But at the time, I could only watch episodes one and two. I think we are going away from things, binge dropping TV shows. I hope not, because sometimes I really do want to watch the whole of Broadchurch in one go, Yeah, but as we uh, talked about the other week. I mean, there's always going to be it available in the back, but when new TV shows, um, Amazon Prime, I've noticed, how have said that they are releasing to so the boys. Mm. When that comes back, they're releasing that week on week rather than all at once, which they did on the first series. Okay. I think, I think it's better when you can not have to start conversations with people going, oh, what episode are you up to? You're up to episode six. Have you seen the bit where it... Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fair enough. Anyway, this show is called The Last Wave. Yes. Um, I was going to say the... I was going to... I was totally going to have a go at the French there. It's La Dernière Vague. But that's probably not how you pronounce it because I haven't done French since GCSE. But anyway, The Last Wave. Set in a beautiful southwest France... Is that how you would say that? Southwestern South France. Yeah. In the southwest of France. Yes, yeah. that's better. Set in a beautiful town in the southwest of France. I haven't got my teeth in tonight either. I'm, I'm not going to edit this out either, love. So yeah, in the southwest of France, beautiful beaches, lots of people, lovely people living in lovely houses. Mm. I'm absolutely, I'm going to talk about the, the beaches more because it is just stunning. I mean, the sea is so blue. The waves are amazing. And the coastal, like the coastal scenes that you've got in this show are just absolutely beautiful. It's one of the main things I really take out of it is just, you can't believe you're like, it's, you're like staring into the sea. You can smell the sea and breathe the sea air. And it's mm. absolutely gorgeous. But anyway, if I describe this as a combination between Home and Away, the <laughs> Summer Bay, and do you remember the French programme we watched from, I think it was 2013, called Les Revenants? The Returned. Or The Returned. As yes. Because it, it got re, remade as well in English language. Yes. Um, and it won, just talking of the Emmys, that won like an international, best international drama at the Emmys as well. I remember we, we loved that. Mm. And then we, I think there was a quite a wait to the second series and I never ever came back to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think there was, there was so much of a, a, a drop between, like a period of time between 
that we just thought it just lost it, didn't it? Why are you looking La at Lake me? Lake Pub. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. I still think of that every time I walk through, like, an underpass. Yes, yeah. The, and just... That that's totally makes sense from what I'm saying then. So this... The supernatural elements, the sense of foreboding, yes. that disconcerting vibe that mm. you got from The Revenant or The Return. Yes. That's what you get in this show. Okay. But it's got a bit of a soapy side to it, which is why I'm talking about the Home and Away and Summer Bay. Okay. When we meet the characters in episode one, episode one is really just, you know, let's meet everyone in the town. You know, there's a doctor, there's a teacher. There's a person building, like, a resort, and you know something's going to go wrong with that resort. There's an environmentalist. There are some children of different ages. You know, everyone has a role, and they fulfil that role. Absolutely. Okay, so, um, a kind of half-celebrity surfer. I don't know how celebrity is, but anyway, he's from the town. He comes back. I think he's called Max. I don't know the name of everyone yet. Um, he comes back, and everyone, I think they get a chance to go out surfing with him, so he's like the local celeb. Rather than it just being a group of people his age, Max's age, because Max is about 20-odd, mm. cleverly, they pick various people from within the town. So a little boy, one of the mums, you know. So you've got this real spread of the demographic from this coastal town. And it's someone related to everyone we've met yes. already in the episode. Okay. They all go into the surf to have a bit of a surf with Max. Mis- mystical Cloud comes over them oh wow and they disappear for five hours and suddenly reappear in the water and we take it from there and i'm not going to say anything else because it is very much like the revenant i mean i'll talk the revenant it the main premise of the revenant was the dead returned in like the clothes and and the age that they Mm. were at the time that they died so that was the sort of the mystical supernatural element in this similarly something weird happens these people return and then we take it from there. I didn't expect you to be going down this route. Yeah, so it's it's, it's another French supernatural drama, but it it it's not as hard going as The Returned. I have to say, it's much lighter in tone, and I think probably a little bit more enjoyable to be honest with you, because mm. The Revenant it got very dark and it felt very sad. And this doesn't have that. This has more joyful moments and positive moments and things are a little bit weird, but they're weird in a fun way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to episode three. I watched two and got to the end of two and I thought, you know what? I'd really want to watch the next episode. So yeah, you're probably right. Okay. It's good that they haven't just shoved it all on because I probably would have watched it all by now. Hmm. And I'm interested to see where it goes. I think there are only sort of six episodes. Oh, perfect. Um, which is perfect, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I really recommend this. <laughs> I really do. And I didn't expect to because I thought, oh, the last How have you found this? Because... You know what? I have no idea. I know it came up on the suggested for you on the Skybox. Okay. But I felt that I'd seen recommendations for it elsewhere. I've not seen anything. So... Okay, so maybe I haven't. Maybe, mm. maybe just the pull of a BBC4 international drama is enough for me at the moment because we haven't had many of late. And I do really love a BBC4. I love all of the international dramas that we, you know, we get all the Scandi Noir and I really love all yeah, of those. Yeah, I've never really got into them. Mm, which, I mean, this isn't yeah. it. This is not Scandi Noir. <laughs> it is not French Noir. It, yeah. is, it is, like I say, Home and Away and The Revenant mashed together. But yeah, give it a go. Give it a go and see what you think because I'm, I'm really enjoying it. 
Of oh. my recommendation. I'm probably not going to watch it. Is it I an hour? Think, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. That's the only thing. Yeah, I don't... I'm not convinced this is for you. Mm. Yeah. Do you want to do a segue into... What have you been watching, Mark? <laughs> I had a moment where I just thought about something else. Sorry. I just looked up the stairs and was like, what are we going to do tomorrow? <laughs> Completely forgot we were recording this. What have you been watching, Mark? So I've watched um, a Amazon feature film, uh, How to Build a Girl. Which is Catelyn Moran's book. It's the adaptation of Catelyn Moran's book. Yeah, not book. Um, which is a fictionalised version of her own early years. Um, so Which was crazy. Like yes. she had such an interesting upbringing. And did, this appears on screen. Yeah, yeah. So it's directed, do you know who directs this? Is it? Is it Koki Gedroyd? Yes, it is. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. Uh, obviously, very well known for TV, mostly. Yeah. Um, and, and being Mel Gedroyd's sister. Yes, yeah. I think she's married to a lord or a baron. You say this every time yeah, we talk I'm about sorry, her. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Carry on. Uh, so this stars uh, Beanie Feldstein, who I have a lot of warmth for from Lady Bird and making its weekly mention Booksmart. That's nearly been mentioned as much time as Justified, I, I think. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, so this is your standard story of Wolverhampton geek at school, gets a job doing journalism for a music paper, which is called N and M-E. It's not. It is. I thought, were they going to call it E-M-N or something like that? Oh, it might that. be. No, it's called And M-E or something like that. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, right. yeah. Okay. Or N and uh, Anyway, it's some play on. Because the N-M-E doesn't exist anymore, so I don't know whether they can't... Just... Yeah, anyway, yeah, carry on. Yeah, gets a job doing journalism at a music paper, um, gets an attitude from it and becomes a bit of an arsehole and then her life comes crashing down and finds she's been a better person all along. Oh. So it is a standard Hollywood film storyline of redemption. Now I've spent all day trying to work out a film that I could compare this to. Right. And I'm sure there's a hundred films I could compare it to, but the only one I can think of is Teen Wolf. That is not what I thought you were going to say. And the look on your face is one of absolute sort of joy, but also... A little bit of shame that I can't think of a better example of, like, the rise and fall of someone and then... Because because Marty McFly, like, gets essentially superpowers by becoming a wolf when he's a teenager, and but then he gets a bit too big for his boots and loses all of his friends... And then he decides not to use his teen... I'm going to go into Teen Wolf here. Not to use his Teen Wolf powers. And actually, he can be good at basketball. And his friends will love him again. I'm not sure why being a bad wolf makes you really good at basketball. but uh... I think he's just really fast, isn't he? Like, yeah. he's really smooth and he's really fast. And he can he like spin the ball on his finger at one point as well. which Because, of course, all wolves can do that. Yeah, which, you know, Michael J. Fox couldn't do before that. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So, bit, I think it's really interesting that they picked Beanie Feldstein for this. I don't think she's a big enough star to carry it by itself, and I'm surprised they didn't pick a English actress for this. It, it seems a really interesting casting choice because the rest of it is best of British actresses and actors. Um, so there's Paddy Constantine and Sarah Soleimani play her parents. A little bit young Sarah Soleimani mm. for that, but yeah. Um, Alfie Allen turns up as a musician, who a little troubadour musician that she kind of falls for while she's interviewing him. Uh, Joanna Scanlon is one of her teachers. Um, Frank Delane, do you know who he is? No. He's 
I think you'll know him if you see him. He's in Fear the Walking Dead, which you've not seen, but he's in. He's one of them people who appears in a lot of things. Is a fellow journalist who should be friends. They're all fine. Beanie is charming as she normally is. She's funny. When I first started, I thought, oh god, the accent's gonna gonna grate on me. Is she doing a Wolverhampton yes. accent? Right. Okay. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> callback it's not Robin Hood <laughs> Prince of Thieves if anything it's Paddy Constantine whose accent annoys me more than that because it's, it's very broad Brummie accent mm-hmm. at that point but this just didn't work for me okay that that surprises me given yeah everything that you've said I thought you were just going to say that was fine and move on I think part of the problem is there's an awful lot of her being an arsehole and the redemption story sort of happens last 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. For something that's so very sort of... I mean, Caitlin Moran is obviously a very feminist writer and very modern, tackling modern issues. There are some things in this that are touched upon which I don't I don't think they paid enough attention to. I'm not going to say why, because it's quite... It's in a th- third act sort of plot point. Mm. But there is an event that happens which is kind of brushed over and is a big deal for sort of teenagers um all the way at the time and now and shouldn't just be sort of something just to show that she is falling off a cliff basically Mm. the soundtrack is excellent um it's late 80s early 90s so you've got happy mondays uh elastica salt and pepper stereo mcs manic street preachers turn up for a bit um primal scream there's also a brilliant original song sung by alfie allen Okay. That I've played like maybe twelve times since I've watched oh, this that's great. on the soundtrack, uh-huh. um, and it's. I thought, how the hell have they managed to pull off this? And then I looked, and it's Guy Garvey that's written it. Of course, it is. Yeah, brilliant. Um, and it's it's only two minutes long because I think they only really wrote as much as they need just for him to appear on stage singing it. Okay, but it's it's a really beautiful. I mean, it's not an early nineties song. Mm. Um, it's. I guess it's kind of Jeff Buckley, so mid-90s would be what I'd compare it to, but it's worth listening to. Mm. Um, and it might just be that this isn't the film for me. Mm. It is charming all the way through. Um, part of the one of the plot points is that she talks to, certainly when she's at the beginning of this thing, she has this thing called the God Wall, where it's all her idols and photos of them. So it's... Uh, the Bronte sisters, it's Joe March from uh, Little Women, Sigmund Freud, Elizabeth Taylor. And she talks to them and they talk back. And so they are played by the um, all Corky Gavrich's mates, essentially. Okay. You can imagine who the yes. Bronte sisters are. Can I? Yeah. Who are the Bronte sisters? I can't think it's Mel and Sue. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. Right, okay. But it, it is real good fun just going, is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So, right, this really confuses me then. You've talked about it being charming. You've talked about the soundtrack. Mm. But then you've said, not for me. It's not for me. Right. It's, uh, the characters are unlikable. And I, that, this is, this is it, which I probably should have, <laughs> yeah. I, when you're saying this, it realised. They're working in a music magazine and everyone's awful. To the point where I nearly like turned it off because I'm like I just can't see these lot mm. just being pricks to each other, mm-hmm. and I just want to like just go and say, look, you're not impressing anyone. It's not big, it's not clever, and I think that might just be my age. Okay. Do you think it's maybe more for um, people who are in their teenagers, possibly? 
I think it's for people. So I don't know. I think I think it's certainly it's it might be a film for um sort of twenty year old girls. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a very feminist film. Mm -hmm. It's showing that girls could go out there and like not be held back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm not sure that the I'm not sure that the lessons we learn from this film are that are that women can do this and be successful. Um, obviously, Kelly Moran's a successful writer, and if this is based on her life, she's done well out of it. But I, I don't think it reflects well on anyone in it. That's the that's part of the problem. Even even her father's a bit of a dickhead. But maybe he was. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to watch a film full of dickheads. Okay. I, this is the problem I had is with Wolf issue? of Wall Street. Right. Where everyone was like, "Oh, it's Scorsese's best." I'm like, I just I hate everyone in this, and yeah. You wanted someone to like and someone to yeah, follow. Yeah, I want someone to, who I can like follow and cheer on. Mm-hmm. And I didn't during this. And interestingly, I think that means that there wasn't anyone who reflected you in this. You wanted someone like you that you could you could follow. Am I reading that right? Sort of yeah, to, yeah, yeah. I mean, why are we making films with females <laughs> in the, fr- the front of her? <laughs> why aren't we making films for, for, for... films about 40 year old white men <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah yeah. let's make more of those wow just, just underrepresented in society clearly that's a genre that doesn't get much uh, much going <laughs> yeah I didn't hate it mm. it didn't work for me but I don't regret watching it uh, okay. it's it's very middling okay I mean they'll put that on the poster won't yeah, they yeah it's just so middling well done middling I didn't regret watching it Mark honeymoon period Oh, right. Speaking of which, <laughs> I've now got to watch Rambo First Blood because it's date night. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. You have to watch First Blood. Oh, don't correct me on a Rambo film. Come on. It's not called Rambo First Blood. Well, it must have Rambo in it somewhere. No, the film is called First Blood. So it wasn't just called Rambo? No, because this is... Like, no one knew who Rambo was at the time. Right. <laughs> this is based on a book. Right. And the character in it called Rambo. But this is not... like they... It's based on a book? Yes. I didn't know that. I, I thought this was just Rambo. I'm just going to say Rambo over and over again just I'm, to wind you up. I'm just making sure if that's true. I'm just full this out <laughs> of a thing. So it's just first blood because we didn't know who Rambo was at the time. Yes. And obviously we didn't know that it was going to be. And I'm, I, I don't know whether I know that. I've pulled this from the depths of my mind. Like a Rambo 2 and a Rambo 3. Yes. Possibly a Rambo 4. It's reminding me, it's reminding me of Rocky. So I just think it's the equivalent of Rocky. So there is a, yeah. So there is a really, I mean, this is probably one to cover afterwards. Mm. But yeah. So there is a really odd naming convention um, with, with the Rambo with films. Rambo. Okay. It's. First one's called First Blood. The second one's Rambo First Blood Part 2. That's too much for me. Yeah. You've lost me already. The third one is Rambo 3. That's more like it. The fourth one is Rambo. Oh, God. And then the last one, which is out last year, is Rambo Last Blood. Good. I look forward to seeing all of those. The next, every other week, for the next <laughs> month, you'll be watching one. Right, come on before I change my mind. Okay. Let's go watch... Not Rambo. John Rambo, a drifter, just passing through their town. Morning. Headed north or south? North. Now jump in. I'll make sure you're heading the right direction. You got some place I can eat around here? There's a diner about 30 miles up the highway. Is there any law against me getting something here? Yeah, 
be. I want you to book this gentleman for vagrancy, resisting arrest, carrying a concealed weapon. They knew he was innocent. I'm starting to dislike you a lot. And they didn't give a damn. That's okay, Warren. Don't worry about the soap. He's tough. Just save him. Crack. Don't move. I don't want you to cut your own throat. John Rambo. One man who's been pushed too far. You're finished! You've gone as far as you're gonna go! And straight for the top. Right on top of him. There's no way out of here except through us. He was hunted. Trapped. There he is! On the cliff! And forced to fight back. Push it, I'll give you a war you won't believe. Teasel, you and all your men couldn't handle him before. Now, what makes you think you can handle him now? Because God knows what damage he's prepared to do. You don't seem to want to accept the fact that you're dealing with an expert in guerrilla warfare. Are you telling me that 200 men against your boy is a no-win situation for us? You send that many, don't forget one thing. A good supply of body bags. Sylvester Stallone. This time, he's fighting for his life. First Blood. on the TV yes. for anyone still listening to me sing this <laughs> terrible song. <laughs> knife designed by Jimmy Lilly, Arkansas Knife Smith. Wow. It's a long road, Mark. It's a long road. End credits. <laughs> I take it recorded. Yes. <laughs> and I just had to capture this amazing song that comes up at the end of Rambo, totally unexpectedly. At least we know what's playing us out tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm totally going to listen to this again. Do you want to just, want to just pause yeah. the sound? Thank you. Um, Rambo, First Blood. No. Oh, but I like singing. <laughs> no, um, no, just First Blood. <laughs> yeah. Um, spoiler alert, I love that film. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm so pleased. I I really thought that um okay, go back a bit. I did not want to watch a film tonight. No. I say this every week on the podcast, so yeah. I feel that it's become a bit of a trope, but I'm really tired. Um <laughs> despite having two two sleeps today, because you could t- took over primary caring duties yes. today and gave me a lot of rest. So I've had two proper go to bed 
lie there, think about life <laughs> type of sleeps today, which has been amazing. Um, but I'm still really shattered. So I got to like date night and I was like, I don't want to watch a film. It doesn't really matter what film it is. I don't really want to watch anything. I could do with just going back to bed. Why don't we just go back to bed and just talk or listen to a podcast or mm. something? That was kind of what I was going to say. And I was, at one point, I was going to suggest that we recorded on a different day and we just put the podcast back. But I'm so pleased that we watched that tonight. Oh, that's an amazing film. <laughs> I'm so shocked. And I'm totally shocked in terms of what the film was about. Yeah. But also my reaction to the film. Yeah. Okay, so let's start off by saying spoilers for First Blood, 1982 film, First Blood. Can I please just call it Rambo? You, if, if you want, I will stop correcting you if you want to call it, it Rambo. Because I'm going to, and that's going to drive everyone mad. So can I just call it Rambo? <laughs> yeah. I'll probably not refer to the film's name now, but yeah, yeah I just, yeah, I'm going to do that. Um, yeah. So is it 1981? 1982. 1982, okay. Um, but, I mean, I think it's safe to say that you probably had a the same thought in your mind of a Rambo film going into this that I did going into it, and I think a lot of people did to it. When did you watch? I this watched film? this. This was one of the first films that I watched when I started on my film journey, mm-hmm. which was two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd made my little list of films that I needed to see, and Neil had this on DVD, and he was in. Uh, I think he was in hospital at the time, but I'd moved in with him while he was still in hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just put it on one afternoon and watched it and thought it was amazing. And what did you think that the film was... What was your impression of a, a Rambo film oh, at that well, time? I mean, it's, it's exactly it the same as same what as you mine? did, where I thought it was him going into a foreign territory and shooting up people who weren't American. Yeah, that is exactly what I thought. I, I could see, in my mind, I could see jungle. Yeah. I could see the what I thought was red, actually, but it turns out to be more brown. Yeah. The, the strip of material around his head yeah so i i didn't see there's like a little hangy bit on it as well which again i didn't say i thought it was more of a little a little headband that went all the way around Mm. and not sort of tied at the side and hanging and to me it's bright red so i don't know whether they put that on the front of the i was about to say the video but (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't know whether they put that on the post and they make it more red like blood red first blood you know that sort of thing uh, but it's just a, a strip of cloth that he finds on the floor yeah. in the forest. Um, yeah, so we're, are we... Right, are we in America? We are. I, right. I think it's... So it's filmed in Canada, but we are in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... We must be close to the Canadian border because they are certainly not Yankee Americans. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are... Yeah. Because it's the, the big rocky mountains in the background, the tall trees that make me think of Canada. Mm. Yeah, I, we must be on the border somewhere. So he's going... He wants to go south to Portland, which is in Oregon, Oregon. which mm-hmm. is just... Uh, yeah, so it's like the next state down. I think he's probably north of Washington, probably in, mm. uh, yeah, on the border somewhere. Okay. But the Rockies run all the way through America. Okay. Uh, all the way down, sort of through Colorado. You do feel you're going... And then there's snow on the mountains yeah. and the... Um, the clouds are really low. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Um, so we are in America. So, and in, and initially, I thought that because they were saying, so the sheriff who picks him up in this town, yes, says, "Oh, you, 
well, he essentially says to him, don't go around here with that badge and that coat on. And the badge yeah. is the United States flag yeah. and the coat has army written on. Mm. So initially I thought, oh, we're not in America. Why would Americans not like an American soldier? I, I, this must be inner workings of American politics that I mm. don't quite have a grasp on. Yeah. But yeah, um, I think these are... Uh, yeah, it. I, I don't quite understand that, but mm. yeah. But you wonder whether at that time, as... Rambo alludes to later on in the film, mm. there were so many protests against the Vietnam War. Absolutely. Maybe it's reflecting back on that and saying, look, we we don't want you here. We didn't want this war and we're going to take it out on you, the soldier that returns. Like Rambo says later on, you know, people are protesting and calling them baby killers. And yes. maybe that he, the sheriff is thinking, well, I don't want that trouble coming to my quiet little town yeah i think that 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 could very well be it yeah i think probably Mm -hmm. hit the nail on the head Mm -hmm. yeah it was still very much fresh in the minds uh the vietnam war finishing mid-70s so this is very much still fresh in the mind yeah and i was really taken by the fact that it was a vietnam war movie yeah although not so it's one of those it's one of those films that's looking back on the Vietnam War through the lens of post traumatic stress disorder, yes. through the lens of people who have come home and then find themselves not able to adjust to civilian life. Absolutely. So and post traumatic stress disorder was only something that came into being after the Vietnam War. It was only recognised by the American uh, Psychiatry Association in nineteen eighty. Wow. Yeah, so this was very relevant at the time. So I really took so much from that theme as well. Mm. Um, I really appreciated the fact that Rambo only has a few flashbacks of what happened to him yeah. in Vietnam because he was clearly captured and tortured. Mm. Um, but they're fleeting moments of extreme torture. Mm. But it's not that he's having them every two minutes because that's not what happens with mm. uh, post-traumatic stress. Yeah. You have moment you have triggering moments. Mm. Uh, but it's not necessarily that you're sitting there and suddenly something comes up every 5 minutes. I think that wouldn't have been true to life. It it works perfectly narratively to set him up in the first act. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it's it's left pretty much at that point. There might be one or two after that, but it's mm-hmm. not something that they are relying upon to tell the story. It just it's used to paint the picture and yeah. then it's left behind. And it's, I really appreciate that. It's certainly not as things that dwells upon it as much as something like the deer hunter or something like mm-hmm. that i would say mm-hmm. yeah so you enjoyed it then <laughs> I'm, I'm shocked at this i mean I, I you're looking that, at me and i'm looking yeah. back going right what can we talk about next um do you want to go through cast yeah so let's go that's... through cast i mean there's be, be there's a very it. small cast in this well that's what i was just about to say as i'm talking over you i'm saying well there's probably only just a couple of people to talk about really so the only pe- person you knew in it was probably sylvester Stallone. yeah uh who plays john rambo yeah um he is the, obviously the protagonist i think the best way i've ever heard this described is predator from the point of view of the predator yes and I think previously I had thought this was going to be a Predator-esque film. But yeah. again, going back to the trope that you've spoken about, which is um, the American man going in and killing people of other nations. Yeah. But this this wasn't that film. Mm. Absolutely not. Um, he is... So the sheriff that you're talking about is mm. Brian Dennehy, yeah. um, an actor which I love and unfortunately we lost earlier this year. Absolutely. Um, Papa you... Montague. What? He's Romeo's dad in Baz Luhrmann's... Oh, God, he is, yeah. Romeo and Juliet, yeah. He's, he's Mr. Montague, alongside Ross's mum 
from Friends as Mama Montague. Oh god, my man's blown yeah, on that. Yeah, it's amazing. That that's what I know him from. I, and it's a small role, but he's very imposing as the head of the Montague family. Well, I first saw him in um, FX The Dead... Uh, like, is it, I, think, I don't know if it's the second one that's called FX The Deadly Illusion or something you, like you've that. You've talked to me about this before at great length. Yeah, I, I love I think that when film. he passed away, yeah. you then went into a whole one-man... Sort of like, yeah. One-man di- diatribe about... Brian Dennehy and these films. We'll wait until we've done all five of these films and then we'll go on to the FX <laughs> franchise of two different films. But he is brilliant in this. Yeah, uh, he really is. Um, he is perf- the perfect amount of an arsehole who realises he's got himself in too far but he's just pissed off um, and wants revenge for his friend uh, being killed. And he plays it as, and I think this is really true to life, someone who is a big fish in a little pond. So yeah. here's your quaint, quiet little town where I suspect nothing happens. Yeah. Most of the sheriff's men, and they are all men, and yeah. we might come back to that later, <laughs> uh, but all of his little minions don't seem to be doing a particularly good job. They're, they're a, it's a bit comedy at times as to how incompetent they are. Yeah. Um, but he is the head. He's very imposing and they seem to listen to him as an mm. imposing figure. I suspect he's the type of bloke that walks down the street and some woman baking bread or some buns or whatever comes running out and goes, here you go, Sheriff, take that home to the wife. <laughs> you know, that's what... And he goes, mm, yeah. And everyone thinks he's wonderful. Yes. But actually inside he has this this feeling of emptiness mm. and I just got that sense that he wants to be much more than he is yes and no Sylvester Stallone one one little guy mm. is gonna come and ruin his day absolutely absolutely um he's uh, some of the deputies uh have gone on to have a career I mean a lot of them some of them might be a few most of them you don't recognize and certainly older men so they might have been in things previously yes. but so the policeman ward I recognized as Chris Mulkey who's a character actor you might know like he's in a lot of things now oh I kind of get you're showing me a picture of him I kind of yeah. he's got an interesting face he's in Twin Peaks uh he's in Captain Phillips he's he's in everything I know him from. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's Caitlin Diva, Diva's dad in Justified. Oh, God, that show. It, it, I, I can't believe how much I mentioned that. Um, I can. Yeah, okay, fair it's enough. It's true to life. <laughs> the podcast is actually reflecting yeah. life. But certainly the biggest star uh, probably that's in this, um, going well, apart from Sylvester Stallone, is David Caruso. Yeah. Who's really young in this? Yeah. Obviously, it is. It's the 80s. Uh, Horatio Crane in uh, CSI, every single thing. He was also, I believe, he was in NYPD Blue. And did, yeah, did they do like a cross crossover? Like, are we moved? No, no, no. He was the big character in NYPD Blue, mm. the first few series, and I think he left like demanding more money. And thinking, well, they'll never be able to make this without him. Because he was, like, the lead policeman. And so they said, nah, off we go. And just carried on without him and carried on being even more successful. I really imagine him wearing sunglasses. Did he yes. wear, like, sunglasses That's the trope and, of yeah. David Caruso. Taking off the sunglasses, oh, putting on the sunglasses. I've never seen any of those shows, but yeah. I know that. Yeah. He's really young. And actually, he's the... And he's one of the sheriff's men that actually yes. has 
sort of a difference to the others. He's got a shock of red hair. Mm. He's younger. And he keeps saying to them, this guy is not who you think he is. Yeah. And also, why are we being so shit to him? Because they really, bu- I mean, they trigger his PTSD yeah. when they take him for no reason mm. into the police cell at the beginning because yeah. Sheriff just doesn't like him. So he arrests yeah. him for no reason, takes him in, and they're trying to... Um, they are well. They are bullying him. They're trying to get his fingerprints. They're um, washing him with like one of those great big power hoses. Yeah, hosing him down. Hosing him down, and then they go to try and shave him, and mm. he reacts really badly to the the glint of the of the razor. Yeah, he um, has lockdown hair. He, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you do. I was like, they kept going around. Oh, you can't go around with hair like that. I was like, no one would. Be- like, it's such a weird thing, isn't it, to look back at that time and go, yes. oh, young man, you haven't had a haircut, and mm. that makes you a bad person. Yeah. Well, his hair looked perfectly fine to me. Uh, yeah, okay. Um. So, he escapes, they chase him up the mountain, and he takes them out one by one. There is a unsympathetic policeman who is... Is he the it, deputy? Well, they're all... They're all deputies. That's oh. how de- deputies just someone who works under the sheriff. Right. Um, I didn't know that until watch. Yeah, I'm not gonna say oh, what, no, what no. show learned oh, it no. from. Yeah. Oh no. Okay. Well, the really bad deputy yeah. who gets in an in a helicopter. Yeah. He's there to spot, see where he can find him, but brings out a sniper rifle and starts taking pot shots at him. Um, Sylvester Stallone throws a rock towards him. He hits the windscreen of the helicopter and the driver is rocked and the bad deputy falls out to his death. Yes. And that is the only death in the entire film. Yeah. He then takes out the de- the other deputies that are chasing him one by one. Really interesting. And I was really... Did you remember at that time yes. where I was like... A little bit. No, I kept getting like the chills down me because I was quite nervous. I don't think scared's the right word, mm. but I was quite nervous because there was so much tension. Yeah. And I just didn't know where it would come from. And then sometimes, do you remember? Yeah. Oh, sorry, that must be really annoying. Do you remember? Do you remember, do you remember when I did that? But on the screen, you could see where he was hiding. Yes. So you as the audience could see it. And I'm going, oh, he's there. He's there. It was like Rambo, where's Wally? Yeah. And I kept, I kept finding him. <laughs> Like, he was like, he's in the trees. He's up the tree. He's yeah. on. The, he's in a rock. He's yeah. pretending to be a rock. One time he popped out of a river and you yes. laughed at him. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone goes past him and then he's like, well, his lies come up by the side of the river. It's yeah. amazing. I loved it. Mm. But yeah, the way he takes out the other deputies is so different each time. It's not just that he's got... I mean, he doesn't have a gun. No. Well, he has a gun once one of the deputies is killed. Yes. The, the deputy is killed. Mm. But apart from that, he's using his knife. He's using his, his just his, his body yeah. to do things. There's this amazing, I mean, it's horrible, but there's this amazing trap that he creates with just bits of wood, like little pointy bits of wood. Yeah. So it like boings at someone, you know what I mean? You know, he runs <laughs> at it, he bo- it boings it, and it like slams into his body, so all the pointy bits of wood slam into I mean, that's absolutely horrific. Yes. But I thought it was brilliant. Mm. Like, what a, a thing to think of. And yeah. just to show that he has so many different skills. He's not just someone who can point a gun and is a sharpshooter. He's someone who can make things, like yes. make lo- and loads of different traps. Absolutely. Um, so he escapes up to the top of the mountain. The deputies are carried out one by one. And then the 
probably the second the, the second part of the second act comes in yeah. where the National Guard come in. Mm. Do you know what the National Guard are? Not really. So they are the Territorial Army. I was about to say, because they do make a point of the National Guard saying, oh, I've got to be in the drugstore on Monday or yeah. I'm doing this part time. And they, there's a little bit of a comedy moment where they all, they won't go and try and combat him because yes. they're like, I don't get paid enough for this. It doesn't paint this them necessarily guy. in a great light. Yeah. Um, and up comes Richard Krenner as Sam Troutman, his former colonel who trained him, he owns him. Richard He's my Cre- boy. Richard Krenner is having a lovely time in this film. Yeah. yeah. I thought he was a brilliant addition because when you get to that part too, like you say, I just didn't know where it was going to go. I thought that mm. was the end of the film. He's taken out all the deputies. Yeah. The main guy, Brian Dennehy, he's got him by the neck with his knife. Yeah. And he's essentially saying to him, let it go, let it go, let me go. Yes. And we'll not discuss this any further. But Brian Dennehy, of course, will not let this go. Mm. And the next moment you, you go out of the forest and you just see the you know 50-odd vehicles, the National Guard coming in news reports as well i thought really clever bit was where they show someone doing a piece to camera where they have twisted everything that's happened so they're saying he's um by this point they found out that john rambo is a former green berry mm. he won the congressional medal he is a war hero yeah and they're saying you know they're going you know but there's no we don't know how he's got these guns or what's happened but anyway he's killed uh he's killed a deputy yeah and he's caused chaos throughout this town which it, it kind of is the truth, but it's not the truth, isn't it's it? It's a different slant on the yeah. media. Yeah. And then it's like, they're going to find him and they're going to take him in. Whereas actually, this guy was walking through this town, yeah. having previously looked to find one of his com- comrades, yes. comrades, um, who he's found out has died of cancer. And yeah, from that they believe has been brought on by the Ancient Orange that was used in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. So... He's and he wasn't doing anything. He was just looking for something to eat. Yeah. And this has just escalated and escalated and escalated. Yes. And now they're you know chasing him through the forest. But All absolutely in, avoidable. Yeah, totally. If avoidable. you treat him with a with a modicum yeah. of dignity. Yeah, exactly. And just just be polite to him, and he would have eaten something and probably moved on to the next town. Yes, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I didn't know where it was going to go from then, but mm. when the colonel turned up, I thought it took a really interesting slant. And then mm. everything went bigger. So yeah. you've got a lot more. You've got like hundreds of men looking for him through through the forest. And he's like popping up behind a tree and up the forest and everything yeah. and everything I love. And then the colonel brings this, brings you more information about Rambo, more mm. information about his unit. But also I love the fact that you didn't know whether the colonel was on his side or not. Um, so he escapes into a man shaft. They blow up, the National Guard blow up the mineshaft for the rocket launcher. Rambo's believed to be dead. Big mistake. Big mistake. He's down in the in the mine being attacked by rats. Yes. Oh, you didn't like that bit. No, I didn't. I'm really, I was really uncomfortable. <laughs> you were like, oh. I had a dream about rats last night. Oh, which, no. uh, yeah, yeah. Did you think it was because you knew you were going to watch Rambo? No, I think someone put, yeah. I saw someone on Facebook about someone had seen a rat and then, uh, that yeah. was, No, you know where that's come from? That's because bef- just before we went to sleep, yeah. you saw me scrolling through something on Twitter and it was about someone who had found a rat in a toilet and you, you turned to me and said, oh, look, there's a poo because you saw this toilet with the thing in. And I went, oh, no, that's a rat and I'm scrolling past it quickly so I can't see it. That must be it. That's where it came from. There you uh. go, Mark. There's a little interpretation of your dream there. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so he crawls through the man shaft, escapes out, and then 
steals a army truck and goes to town. And then the final act is him... Blowing up the town. Blowing up the town. Properly blowing up the town. To draw out the uh, police sheriff. Yeah. Um, w- at which we have a final confrontation. Um, I Can I say that I was slightly disappointed with the final confrontation? Because he just... Yes, okay, he does all these little tricks in different... You know, he, he blows mm. up a petrol station. He blows up... Like, is it a Trader Joe's or something like that? Or no, a... Trader Joe's is like a food shop. Okay, so it said Trader something, but it had loads of ammo in it. It's a, it's, I think it's called a trading post. It's right. The, that is a traditional Native American uh, sort of trope that they have a trading post where they would buy things. So it's it's decked out in Native American uh, like right, okay. paraphernalia. Right. It is an ammo shop. Okay. And so he throws the ammo into the into the center, gets some gunpowder, and draws a line out, and then shoots it. So that, that it sounds like there is a gunfight over on one side, where he can get up on the other side. So all this time, Brian Dennehy, as the sheriff, is up on the roof of the police station. Yes. Which would be a perfect place for a confrontation, and you could just imagine Rambo just appearing behind him mm. when they're on this roof. And I thought that was how it was going to finish, you know, in the dark because it's night time by this point. It's just him and the sheriff. Everyone else has been evacuated. The colonel might be somewhere around because yeah. he is he is in the vicinity, but we don't know exactly where at this point. And I I thought there was going to be more dialogue. I thought that we, we might get a revelation about the sheriff. Maybe he was in Nam too and he didn't get to do what... You know, or maybe had not like a terrible... Oh, everyone had a terrible time. But you know what I mean? He might have just had a bit more backstory about why he hated the the um the coat that Rambo was wearing. Why he really took against him because of the flag and the, and the army on the coat. And I really thought we'd get a bit more there, mm. but we didn't. Rambo shoots up the police station, and Brian Denny he falls through the roof. Yeah, and um, with you know bullet holes in him. Yeah, and that's it. And then Richard Krenner comes in and talks him round. Yeah, which leads to an absolutely beautiful, like stunningly. Um, poignant scene of Rambo breaking down and crying and you don't get many films where men who are uh, portrayed as macho as um, Sylvester Stallone is in this film, Mm. people who um, are absolutely highly trained in warfare you don't get to see many of those men, particularly at that point in time in in the history of cinema Mm. crying on other men and saying I don't know where I am sometimes. Yeah. I don't know what day it is. I keep reliving the moment when my friends died. Um, mm. And I thought that was... like I don't don't necessarily think of Stallone as an actor. I know that's rubbish because he clearly is. But I think of him as Rocky most of the time. I think and... he made some bad choices after this. Mm. Um, I think he's... I mean, he's obviously very, very good in Rocky. Um, he... I think... I'm... I think he... He's borderline in that scene. Oh, okay. I think sometimes I can see a mumbling Sylvester Stallone. Yes. Um, and sometimes think, he is difficult I to understand. I think he just stays the right side uh, mm. of melodrama, mm. essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I he he could have been given the Oscar for that mm. um, for that scene. I think it pulls it off. I think I even this time watching it because it's been sort of. 12, well, it's been 12 years since I've seen this film, 13 years. So I was thinking, I'm not sure if Sylvester Stallone is going to pull this off again. And I think he did. 
Especially given that he's not someone who has a reputation, like you say, as a as an actor. No, he's no more as a businessman. And I noticed yeah. when the credits came up at the beginning mm. that he was behind the either the production or the writing. And I think he often gets into the behind the scenes as well as in front of the camera. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously he wrote and directed Rocky, the mm. Rocky films mm. or certain, certain Rocky films. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's not given as much credit as he should do. Um, do you think he just became... Because people um, did sort of skits of him afterwards. And, yeah. You know, I can imagine him as a spitting image puppet, for example, and the long face and... You know, he's got such a distinctive look and that drawl, you know, that, that's such a distinctive... Um, with talking that he's ripe for parody and maybe we just think of him like that. That might be it, yeah. I mean, people should be seeing this film. I mean, it's only... Ten year, within ten years later, he's doing Stop on My Mom Will Shoe. Okay. Um, Oscar, which which bombed. Uh, Tango and Cash, which wasn't which wasn't wasn't as well received as it should have been, given the cast. Um, and yeah, I mean, we'll talk about the other films in this franchise. But yeah, it's yeah. I don't think he did himself many favors. Okay. Mm. Uh, and then the film just ends. And then the song comes on. Yeah, he is what like um, Richard Krenner comes in. He yeah. talks him round into sort of coming out, and he said, "Look, we'll go back to the military base. We'll get a helicopter." I'm not entirely convinced that's going to happen, but yeah. anyway. Okay. Um, and then he walks out, and the there is a the shot freezes, and the song plays. Yeah. End credits roll. Brilliant. Perfect. It's the film. way that things should be. <laughs> yes, it's a tight <laughs> eighty nine minutes. Yeah. It absolutely sails by. It flies by. And I love this film. It's a great film. Mm. It's a great film. I'm so pleased that it just doesn't go down the the route of a tropey shoot 'em up. Yeah. As we've discussed before. Absolutely, absolutely. Really, really pleased. And I'm pleased about the themes of men who've been in war having difficulties when they when they come back because there'll be people out there who that is their reality yeah. and it's important to see things like like that in 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 the cinema it's particularly for a man like Sylvester Stallone who like I say is like the archetypal bloke yeah. isn't he um so yeah I was re- really really pleased and <laughs> my one thing is I mean there are no women in this film I'm not gonna say that that's a bad thing because I would hate for them to just shove some women in for no reason. Second act love interest and yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But I did, I did find it quite. I don't know. I think just sometimes you just go, all oh, right, okay. Could could there not could there not have been some deputies who were women? But I suspect at the time wasn't there at the wasn't time. any. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's more of a representation of what was happening at the time. Mm, I I understand your point. I would rather than not be. A gratuitous female character put in there. I agree. Uh, either Brian Dennehy's wife, who mm. is ringing up, worried about him, or a some person who lives in the forest that Sylvester Sloan bumps into. Sylvester Sloan bumps into and forms a very intimate relationship with very early because totally it would be very easy to put that in. Totally agreed. I just thought it was worth a mention because yeah. like when the credits came up and there were no women in the credits, I just mm. did think, oh, right, okay. There is a woman with curly hair who works, is in the background of the police station yeah, every I shot. Yeah, I noticed but, that later yeah. on. Yeah, And there's a waitress that comes and gives yes. him his, the sheriff his drinks. Yeah. I think she's the only woman with a line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not wearing very much, funnily enough. 80s I did, America. I did notice that. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. 
But yeah, I thought it's worth a mention. Yeah. Just because, you know, it's the thing I say every week. So would you be interested in watching the second I would, First I would, Blood Part yeah, 2? Yeah, I would. Is it dreadful? Are you going to tell me that this is the film and not to watch any others? So I'm not going to spoil anything, but the plot of Rambo 2 is him getting prisoners of war back from Vietnam. Getting prisoners of war back from Vietnam. Yeah, they've left some right. prisoners of war behind, and he needs and he to go needs in to get them out. and shoot Vietnamese people to oh, get them back. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Mm, it's less. There is a standard trope of um, the way of death counts in Rambo films increases almost like the Fibonacci sequence. Mm. In that, <laughs> it's one in this. It's about seventy in the next film. Rambo vs. Blood Part 3, I think is it going to... Richard Crenn is in all three of them. Um, certainly the original three trilogy. Um, and he calls him into... He, I think it, three starts with him living in Nepal, um, hidden away from life. And he's called into Afghanistan to fight a war that he wasn't part of uh, okay. with the Russians. Um, and then it went away. And it came back in 2008 and it has been intensely criticised for being uh, very right wing. Very, mm. um, the, certainly the last film was called, um, uh, was referred to as a Trump propaganda piece. I've heard this before. Mm. I've yeah. not seen the last, I've not seen the two most modern ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I started watching it and it's just, oh, it, it, yeah. One of our favourite podcasts. I think of all time to have got honest with you, the Cinemile. Yeah. Um, that we've listened to. You started listening to um the first. It's Kathy and Dave from the Cinemile. Yeah. Um, you listen to them first, and then you got me on them, and I just like listened to all of their podcasts in like a whole weekend. Yeah. But they watched the last. Is it Last Blood? Last that Blood. Sense. Yeah. Last Blood. First Blood. They watched it, and they said exactly the same thing. So I remember listening to it, thinking, "Well, I'm never going to watch any Rambo films, so it's not going to spoil it for me. I just like listening to them chat mm. about the film." And they they were exactly the same. Very. Mm. Um, they were saying it was very right wing. It was. Uh, I don't know if they were. I can't remember if they said it was misogynistic or. But it was. It was all of the horrible things yeah. that that you get. It's a real shame, and I would leave it at that. Leave it mm. as a, a really really good early eighties okay. action film that's quite thought provoking at times mm. Mm. yeah i'm gonna i'm really gonna think a lot about it mm. i never thought i'd say that about rambo it's not the film you think it's gonna be no and he's not the man that i th- yeah. I feel really sorry for him i mean at some points i think oh come on mr rambo like <laughs> these people the the expression when he goes into town and he blows up all these and it's like these are people's businesses and i was thinking do they have insurance and is there anyone in the back of the building so there's always something from me going oh now come on john it's worth it's worth saying um sorry to cut you off there um it's worth saying i love the practical shots on this there is a point early on where a car is chasing him and it goes into a ravine and it looks like a car falling into a ravine it doesn't just flip over 10 times it just kind of teeters over and goes i think you laughed at that point yeah just don't see things like that anymore when the when the petrol station blows up it looks like a petrol station blowing totally. up and the reason for that is it's a petrol station blowing up yeah it's not like i, don't, I remember thinking this at the time it's not like your big blockbuster aliens have come to earth and are blowing up an entire city yeah which you just get bored of i mm. think a lot of people talk about that now don't they how yeah. you just it's just 
constant blowing things up mm. and you you don't feel any weight attached to it you might see millions of people dying and you feel nothing yeah. because it's just not real there's nothing there for you to to grab hold of in Absolutely. terms of emotion whereas in this little town i am as i've said thinking about oh there might be someone who's like counting up their money at the back or you know the petrol station person whoever owns that petrol station now all their properties being destroyed and it's not their fault that's the difference isn't it shouldn't have pushed it the petrol station people did not push john rambo <laughs> brian dennehy pushed john rambo yeah. and his and his mates so well i don't and with no dread at all i've got to ask um what's your star rating I can't give this anything other than five stars. We've finally done it. I can't think of a thing. And I did have the sort of where are the women and mm. I was going to knock like half a star off for that. But as you say, you would much prefer there to be this to be a film filled with men than to have a gratuitous um, shot of a woman or a love interest, mm. anything like that, uh, like a, the wife or anything like that. I'd much prefer it for this just to be these are the characters that we're, we're staying with for this point mm. in time. So that was the one thing. And then that song at the end, I mean, that, that was it. <laughs> that just cemented it for me. It's a long road. Oh. You haven't got any friends and everything's terrible. <laughs> go out. I was that like, go outside and think things won't be okay. It is a long road. And speaking of long roads ahead, oh. it's date night next week. Is for it, you. Is it going to be two five-star films in a row? No. Oh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, dear. Although you never really know, do you? But n- I, I think not. I've chosen this film because it's a controversial choice. It's a controversial film. There have been a number of thwarted remakes, so they've tried to remake the film and it just hasn't come off or tried to reboot it. Recently, they tried to reboot it with Jason Momoa, but that has come to an end. So it keeps going away and coming back. So this is a film from the 90s. You're you're looking at me. Remade with Jason Momoa? No, it was going to be remade with Jason Uh, Momoa, but then that fell apart. I thought you were going to do Conan then. (laughs) So it's The Crow. Oh, okay. Can you see why it's a controversial choice? Do you know the law around... Yes. The Crow, and also the very tragic incident that occurred during and the filming of The Yes, book. I do. Okay, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm glad you know that going into it, because I don't think I would have a good conscience letting you watch that film and then say, oh, by the way, the star died yeah. during the making of the film. No, that was... a terrible, no, terrible accident. That, I mean, that was obviously big news at the time, yeah. with obviously Bruce Lee's son as well. Yes, um, and he was, tw- he was 28. Oh, yeah, you know. yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to watch The Crow, which again, I'm, I'm really surprised you haven't seen it because it just was one of those films that like, <laughs> I think everyone I dated in the, in the late 90s <laughs> really loved The Crow um, or had something to say about it. So I've been to parties where this has been on, but I've never, I, I would never class myself as having watched it. The only thing I know about the film, Brandon Lee mm-hmm. is in it, mm-hmm. uh, obviously and we all know, yeah, what we've covered what happened yeah. there. And the wrestler Sting took on a persona as Crow Sting, as opposed to Surfer Sting, which was his earlier guys. Right. Uh, yeah. I'll show you a picture of him. Yeah, I will. Don't Please don't show me a picture of him now. Okay. Maybe save it for next week. Or maybe save it for never. 
I'm going to show you. Please don't. You'll see. You'll see yeah, what I mean. What has that got to do with the film? Is it just because when the because film came out... He, he took his styling from... I mean, it is a, that's a bit rubbish. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. God, that's completely the crow, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolute rip-off. So yeah. after the film came out, a yes. wrestler decided to look a bit like the crow. Yeah, a big wrestler, yeah. <laughs> a yeah. big wrestler. Uh, a famous wrestler, yeah. I've never heard of Sting. So, yeah, we're going to watch that. It's a hundred and odd minutes, so... Very good. I've just looked it up, just well in done. case you asked. So, again, short, short-ish film. We'll rattle through it. And I, the reason I want to watch it is because it's not something that you have been able to sort of like engage in a discussion with me about it before and I think it would be really nice to just see what your thoughts are Mm. given there are many controversial elements attached to this film and given that people have been trying to remake it for such a long period of time and it just seems I mean people call it cursed I don't necessarily believe in that but you know people say that they should leave it alone and I think we could have a really good discussion about that it's a comic book movie isn't it yeah yeah okay right so yeah, the oh, crow. I'm really looking forward next, to that now. Next week, you can tick that off your your list of, of films, and my goodness, are there a list? <laughs> that li- I've just been looking through it to try and like just early on today to try and see what I would choose for date night, and uh, yeah, wow, there's so many films that I could get you to watch. Very good, very good. You've picked something that's not available to watch on any I of our services again. I was just but... about to say that, you know, I didn't click on it to see <laughs> where it, where we could get it from. We'll rent it. I'm sure we will. Yeah. We've rented everything else from, yeah. from my date night. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, might as well carry on spending really, the money. Nah, I'm really looking forward to this. Cool. Cool. Good. Right then. Um, let's go to bed. <laughs> Phew. I'm so tired. <laughs> always so tired well thank you for listening everyone uh, yes, I know this you, one's everyone. been a little bit longer possibly but um, especially with especially with the one yesterday as well <laughs> yeah but uh, no, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week see you next week before you go just a reminder that you can subscribe to the honeymoon period podcast on apple podcasts google podcasts Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can join in the conversation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for The Honeymoon Pod. Finally, if you like this episode and you think someone else would too, please share it. See you next time. Stop telling me not to do that. You keep bashing. And I'm going to have to edit it out. You're not. I am. You're going to have to edit this out now. <laughs>